Hi. Hello. I'm Julian. And I am Tom. And we are the Rings of Power. No. <laughs> we are Team Binge, here to talk about the Rings of Power. Thank you for joining us. If whatever you press play on doesn't tell you, you're on episode five. And this episode's called Partings. <laughs> and it, not surprisingly, has been Tom's favorite episode and what he called the strongest episode of a very strong show. I want to hit the top by saying I did watch the previous Leon or the recap or whatever because Tom has harassed me mercilessly. So I knew exactly what to pay attention to during this episode. Tom, I know you love this episode. So I told you at the beginning I'd give you at least 15 minutes to really take off and tell us. You said stronger than any of the Lord of the Rings movies, I believe was the I believe was the quote. So I'm going to give okay, you the I think floor. You, Go ahead. I think you are mis, mis, uh, mishearing me. Uh, I don't know if I enjoyed this episode as much. I feel like there was a lot of... This show is at its best when it's like adventuring and action and big set pieces. Like I think that's when this show is amazing. When it tries to do a lot of this like politicking and stuff, um, especially like the things that kind of go on in Numenor and all kind of the back and forth, like the show is just too slow for me in a lot of these aspects. I think there's some friendships and things that I like a lot, like Durin and Elrond, I think are really cool with their back and forth. But even some of that plotting I thought was a little bit bonkers in this episode. So like I said, I'm still enjoying the show overall. I enjoy talking through it, but... It was just a handful of things throughout this episode specifically that, I don't know, just wasn't wasn't as enjoyable for me. But I'm glad at least it ends with hopefully like the big dramatic music, the ships leaving the harbor. Like maybe we're going to crescendo into some cool action and some more adventuring. That is really why I'm here. Yep. I think the strength of the episode was definitely that three-second shot of the Nina, the Pinta, and the Santa Maria <laughs> As they go off to the new world. I'm going to go out on a limb and say I got two out of three of those right. but You nailed it. Those are them. Okay. Wonderful. I have a tenuous <laughs> grasp of the English language. So based on what I thought you said initially and what you just said, it was opposite. <laughs> because you did not necessarily enjoy this episode. I can only come at this episode with the blind optimism of ted lasso which is <laughs> i loved it all they tried really hard it's not about winning and losing tom <laughs> this episode's not about winning and losing it's just about playing the most beautiful of games and i am going to do my darndest to push down deep deep down my <laughs> feelings of this episode and just talk through it so if you're joining us okay. for the first time don't Go somewhere else. Uh, if you've been with us on this journey, stick around. It's gonna be a. It's gonna be a ride. It's gonna be a migration. Speaking of migration, watch this transition, Tom. <laughs> we start with a Harfoot migration, where Nori is explaining migration to the stranger, who, speaking of uh, tenuous grasp of the English language, the stranger, the stranger, the strangler, um, as I like to call him, and hope is a self-fulfilling prophecy, <laughs> talks about, I don't know, what peril means, thinks he's dangerous, uh, Nori's trying to convince him he's not dangerous, they're eating snails, and 
I don't. Is the stranger, the strangler, whatever you want to call him, is he dangerous, Tom? Is he evil? I think that's what we're trying to decide. Like, we, we kind of get to finish. The show doesn't know yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, sh- the show may not know. They may the wait until season two or three. To figure it out. This is lost. <laughs> they don't know where it's going. They're, yeah, they're just listening into, like, fan theories and stuff online and what is the coolest, and that's where they're going to go. Uh, nice. Because I think we've definitively figured out in this episode that Adar is not Sauron. Um, I think that's oh. pretty fair. And okay. I think we're trying to figure out who the stranger is, whether he's a potential good character in like a Gandalf um, or say a Sauron. Sauron eventually turns, but he starts as a good wizard. Um, or is this somebody like Sauron or, you know, something like, because there's a little bit of dark magic kind of going on. So I, I like the concept here of, you know, the idea of good and evil and how anything that is evil isn't necessarily just pure evil. There's there's sides of good and bad in everybody. But I don't know if that's true in like Morgoth or Sauron because aren't they just supposed to be the epitome of evil? So which, again, makes me lean towards this not being Sauron. Sure. There's probably times where Sauron is alone in his, I don't know, tower and like an orc comes <laughs> up to him and he's like, hey, good job today, man. And that orc's like, oh. <laughs> Thank you, Lord Sauron. And then Lord sounds like, kill all the baby hobbits or something. Yeah, I'm with you. There is a lot of good and evil people. You heard it first from Team Binge Tom, more specifically. A lot of good and evil people, his words. There's some funny Harfoot banter, and they're really trying hard to make us love these people. I love them just fine. I don't think my love's going to grow any deeper than the surface level that they're giving us. Once again, Nori, the actress that plays Nori, does a wonderful job. I'm sorry that these people are the slowest portion of the migration, but this really just whole thing was so we could hear the pipes of uh, the one Harfoot who sings a lovely, lovely song. And Mm -hmm. then we get a lot of wide shots and... New Zealand just looks great, right? CGI New Zealand or real New Zealand? I don't know. I, I have no idea if any of this is real, but it looks great, right? Yeah, I liked it. I mean, you get a big like migration montage to show that they're going quite a, quite a bit. I think they actually jump to the map, which I think is kind of cool, and it shows them, like I guess, traveling south and then to the east. And I really did dig the song. I thought it was really cool, and I thought it was kind of a good thing that you would assume these, you know, nature-loving hobbits or, or harfoots would be kind of singing and, and trying to get through the perils of their journey here. Um, and then what's the line at the end? It's like, what, not all who wander or wander are lost? I think it's a cool, cool line. Yeah, it's a play off of the old poem from Bilbo Baggins, and so it's not all who wander are lost. But whoever wrote music for this added a little word trickery. So it's wonder <laughs> and wander. And I only know that because I watch it with subtitles. But, Tom, you coined a phrase here. You said migration montage, which Mm -hmm. got me thinking. There's a lot of classic migration montages in in film. Would you say that this ranks among the top migration montages for you? I'll give you some some other examples. There's this one. Please. Uh, There's Fifle Goes West, obviously. Everyone remembers the migration montage in that one where he sings... Think about a star, maybe. I don't know. There's Ace Ventura Pet Detective um, number two, where he (laughs) is just in the Jeep bouncing along. That feels like a migration montage. 
And then the last one is Joseph, Prince of Dreams, that other Disney movie about Moses, maybe? Did I get that wrong right? Val Kilmer. <laughs> I didn't know that Val one. Val Kilmer's in it. I don't remember the title of that one, but I'm pretty sure there's migration in that one. I would be, uh, I'd, I'd bet I'd bet some money on that. Uh, but I've I talked say, too much. Tell me your favorite migration montage. No, I, I mean, I think my favorite montage, and I'm going to go ahead and lump this into migration, would be Rocky, Rocky Four of him running through the uh, hills and wintry mountains of russia when he migrates from america to the soviet union yes that's true and <laughs> becomes their track. hero yes that's good <laughs> uh close runner-up i would say is plane trains and automobiles the, the whole movie is essentially a migration montage but <laughs> let's move on from there to we have this cut where there are some very weird looking people looking at the strangers we'll call it crash site which they have to remind us what it is by showing him like crashed in the ground again and mm-hmm. i'm gonna go on a limb and say i vote these people are evil the vibes they give me are in <laughs> the 300 where it's like the weird like um uh, soothsayers the oracles or whatever you know mm-hmm. that's the kind of vibe i get from these folks don't care for it tom don't know why they were brought <laughs> into this one scene and i did notice i don't think they have elf ears so i don't know i vote evil I think they were covering their ears but no man they're they're in white they can't be evil they're in white movies and history tells us if you're in black clothes you're bad like sauron if you're in white you're a good person uh, but I did do some digging with these folks. So apparently the three women that are kind of on the top of the mountain looking down, they all have names and they're all like title names, not like Mary Beth, Nancy and Janet, which would have been I think, much would better. Have been dope. <laughs> I've been like, oh, hey, my aunts are in this. Cool. <laughs> uh, they're called the Nomad, the Aesthetic. Or the ascetic, I don't know how that's pronounced, and the dweller. The dweller is the one that seemingly is like the leader that has kind of the staff. And then you kind of cut down to the guy that's like at the crash site, who clearly is like you know or, or late '90s, early 2000s Eminem. Sure, uh, yeah, he stands so out. So it's good to see him getting work. Almost, 50. Uh, but there's obviously ties. There's ties with the stranger. They're like kind of holding a dinner plate. Uh, the nomad, I think, is that has the same constellation that I guess um, the stranger is looking for. So I guess in general, these are just kind of cult worshipers. To your point, they do seem to be up to no good. This, I think, even the aerial shot that we get here, where it shows um, the stranger in the middle of the fire and the way it's framed, because the aerial shot, it looks like the eye of Sauron. So again, I keep leaning towards him potentially being Sauron, but I think they're pushing it too hard, and I don't think he is. Okay. But I don't know. What do you think? All of this is new information to me. I did not know that anyone was carrying a dinner plate in this scene, so that's big. Didn't know that Marshall Mathers was a part of this show, which is great. Where did you get the names from? Was it from like when you pause an Apple show and it tells you, or a, I'm sorry, Apple. I'm sorry, Amazon. I'm sorry. It was an honest mistake. Both don't. Sorry, business daddy. Um, did you pause? The Amazon, can you just dub in me saying the right whatever we're watching this on? <laughs> sure, post? sure, sure. The, please don't dub my words. <laughs> please, please don't. <laughs> well, this do I just found names? on like Twitter or something because I don't think it showed up in like the Amazon x-ray when you pause. They didn't actually give the characters names, but I think I saw it in some 
um, some threads on Twitter, and they kind of told about it. I didn't do any more digging than that because I didn't want to get too far sure. into it. But it's dangerous. Um, I, I do like the mystery that this kind of adds because we've got a you know a lot of stories going on now. Um, I don't. I wouldn't argue we probably need more storylines going on, but I do like the idea of this mystery and these characters in the background being introduced so late in the the first season here. Okay, that's good. I don't care for him. Um, <laughs> Adar is now in the woods, and the show is like, hey. We want you guys to remember that this guy's bad, so we're going to have him inflict pain on one of his own guys <laughs> just so you know he's bad. And we're like, okay, show, we got it. You know, give the orcs some sunblock, uh, maybe some of that <laughs> sun banana. I don't know what sun damn lotion. <laughs> banana boat? Yeah, that's the one. The orcs like, hey, boss, the tunnel's complete. And then... Adar says something that only Montgomery Burns has the gall to (laughs) introduce. He's like, man, aren't we all going to miss the warmth of the sun when I get rid of it? Did I hear him right? Is this guy going to get rid of the sun? Is that is that how you took that that evil speech? Yeah, I don't know what he's playing at here. Like, he may mention the previous episode that he wants to become a god or he's not one yet. Um I don't know the idea of blotting out the sun, and I don't I don't get it. I really don't. Listen, I recently watched a documentary where the moon disappears. It doesn't disappear. It falls. <laughs> and I got to tell you, the moon falling into the earth, pretty devastating, especially for Lexus mm-hmm. dealerships and, um, I don't know, NASA. If the sun disappeared... I mean, I don't even know how we would uh, charge our Lexuses. Um, <laughs> go watch Moonfall. Tom made me watch it, and uh, I don't know. All I can say is drink while watching it. The um, So Adar's going to get rid of the sun. That's how I understand that plot. We are then at the tower, and Bronwyn gives just a rousing, I don't know, two-sentence speech about fighting. <laughs> And then very quickly loses the momentum of the crowd when that old cranky (laughs) Sauron lover is like, hey, guess what our ancestors did right? They lived. Uh, They didn't get (laughs) slaughtered to the man. So who wants to live? Chant with me. We want to live. We want to live. (laughs) We want to live. (laughs) Follow me out the gate. We want to live. Theo, buddy. Theo, come on. Like, Theo's not going to leave his mom. What's wrong with you, cranky Sauron lover? She made a good offer, but Cranky Sauron Lover made a better offer. Life. Turns out yeah. people want to live. <laughs> they don't want to die like in the Alamo. I don't know. Yep. Her advice was good, but the cranky old man's was bigger. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did there. I like it. I like it. I like it. What is, like, I, I, so the cranky old dude knows that he has this sword, and I would imagine, or the hilt, I would imagine the guy would know of the importance of this why did he not try to like steal it from theo i don't think this old guy has any idea what he has or like its importance or anything it's cool i also don't think that guy has don't die on your knees live on your feet whatever that saying is he doesn't necessarily (laughs) that have that tattooed on his uh bicep which all (laughs) cool dudes do I don't know. I don't know what that guy's jam is because he gets himself into a weird situation later on, and no one feels good about it. The guy's just—I I don't know—he's meant to bend the knee. Apparently, he really wants to bend mm-hmm. the knee. 
Uh, Leo stays, I'm assuming. Do we we kind of cut here? We assume he doesn't go with the crowd, but I don't know. Yeah, because he stays. Like, and they do the bit later where um, Aaron Deere like confronts him and you know kind of has a heart to heart. Oh, that's with right. Him, so. Stepdad teaches yeah. him. Stepdad teaches him how to shoot a bow, <laughs> and then takes yeah. him down down to that weird pizza parlor later. Um, <laughs> all right, we're then in Numenor. Everyone in Numenor is packing. They're packing in a very organized manner and that's because ellen deals like take that out to the ship and take that and uh, i don't know that guy went from like they were like we don't know who this guy is to he's the most important man in numenor now right but plot holes you know (laughs) and you fill plot holes with handsome people and that's what ellen deal is (laughs) isildur's like hey dad i want to go and the dad's like, you weren't chosen. And the dad lectures him. Ellen Deal is lecturing Isildur. And he's like, everyone else here wants to serve the island and has been serving the island. And he's like, you're just a selfish brat. And Isildur is literally like, hey, I am volunteering. Like, I am trying to go and help. And the dad's like, you've never volunteered for anything. And Isildur's like, no, dad, I'm I'm literally volunteering right now. Remember when we did that dramatic thing at the end of the last episode where everyone was like, I will serve. I was like the first guy that did it. And then I started, you know, and Ellen deals like, you've never raised your hand for anything. I was, I was confused. I was confused. Yeah, it was kind of, I don't know, fast and loose. I I think the idea, we get it more clearly... (laughs) <laughs> we get it more clearly later. I think what Ellen Deal is just trying to say, like, you have to earn it. Like, this this happened to come to fruition, and now you just want to join it because you think it's an adventure. You didn't earn it like your friends and some of the other people did. But as Buddy mentions later, which I think is the, the more fair point, about um, him potentially abandoning them again. Like, is the seal George just want to go on this for an adventure, and then he's going to get midway through, and it's like, oh, I don't want this. He's going to abandon it because he's not seeing something all the way through. I think that's the point Ellen Deal is trying to make. But, yeah, I'm with you. I think he's volunteering. He's telling him you're never volunteering. It's it's a bit goofy. Yeah, it's also a boat ride in one direction. So Isildur's kind of stuck at a certain point. If he's like, oh, hey, you know what, Dad? Kind of cooled off on this whole expedition thing. Can you put me off uh, in the middle of the ocean and I'll just swim home? And he'll be like, you're not Galadriel. You can't swim across the world. And (laughs) then a whole lot of things get confusing. But anyways, I I get what you're saying. I just thought it was a little bit strange. The dad's like, Mm -hmm. you never eat your broccoli. And his sister's like, I literally have my mouth full of broccoli right now. (laughs) Say this guy's name, Tom, the counselor, please, for me. Ferrazon. The big P zone um, <laughs> is getting all rebel roused at, I'm assuming, what is their equivalent of the Senate. Everyone's yelling at him. Tom, say her name, please. Yarian. Okay. Wants to stop them from going on the expedition. Why is this? Why is she so hell-bent on? goofy. Yeah, like they very quickly did this whole, yeah, this whole bit about half the city is divided and half of them hate this decision, half of them love it. And they have Yarian for some reason be like, like, oh, you have to tell your your dad, talking to like the younger guy, hey, you got to tell your dad to have him see reason. We got nothing, no indication in previous episodes that say like she doesn't like elves or whatever else that, that I can recall. This definitely seemed like a really quick turn just because they needed one of our 
major player characters to feel this way. Yeah, I didn't understand if this just because her dad and she knows her dad and maybe her brother are going to go off to war, but like the dad's a ship dude, so he's probably gone quite a bit, and the Isildur was supposed to be a ship dude. I refuse to say Sea Guardian or whatever uh, (laughs) that dumb name is. Um, Hey, Lasso, Lasso, Lasso. Lasso, sorry. Lasso, Lasso. What does he say? Gravy. Biscuits. Um, All right. She then plays with Kemen's. I finally learned this character's name. Kemen's emotions. She's like, hey. She's like, hey, you would look really handsome if you got a haircut. And, oh, man, that arm's so muscly. Can you get your dad to stop a war? That's essentially what (laughs) happens in this scene. And Mm -hmm. Kemen's falls for it. Hook, Hook, line, and sinker. We cut from there. Halbrand's making a dope sword because uh, he's mm. now a blacksmith, and that whole needing a blacksmith guild thing went away real quick. Didn't uh, Ferrazon say, like, oh, in 10 days we'll get the ships and we'll go? So he got his uh, uh, blacksmith you know, medallion very, very quickly. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> I mean, here's maybe we're missing, like, just this whole... Halbrand has gotten Galadriel to start a war, so there's half the working force. He really did come for their jobs. Now some some <laughs> blacksmith that volunteered to go fight an unjust war on some foreign land uh, gave up his job, and now Halbrand, the guy that just came into the country illegally, Tom, illegally <laughs> took his blacksmith job. Uh, I'm just I'm just asking questions, you know. I'm not saying this is what happened. I'm just someone's gotta. Those of us in the media have to ask the questions, right? Right? Is that? Sorry, I've been watching a lot of cable news recently. Um, oh boy. He hands this guy the sword, blade first, and that sword would have been so hot. And this <laughs> reminded me of the time that Tom gave me a hot eyedropper. And I handed it to our chemistry teacher, and our chemistry teacher swore at me <laughs> and threatened to fail me because I burned his hand. Did this remind? I mean, he did say did specifically you think this- <laughs> not not to burn him when we started making these eyedroppers, but uh, ultimately it was your fault. Oh, it was my fault. I had a moment. I didn't even think about it. He was supposed to check our work. I dropped it in his hands, and he got super <laughs> mad. And I don't blame him. Yeah, he was kind of a jerk. I mean, he broke it. It was a really oh, good he? eyedropper. Did yeah, he break the it? hand moved and he broke it. Yeah. Oh, well, that's probably because it was hot glass, Tom. I don't think it was. <laughs> he didn't, like, throw it on the ground. And he was like, you will never be a glass blower. And I was wearing a shirt that said, like, future professional glass broker, blower or broker, whatever that means. And I just, he ripped my shirt and then he sent me to pottery class. And that's why I became a potter, not a glass blower. Yeah, you lost that badge that day. I did. I did. <laughs> oh man. Halbrand, Queen Muriel, Queen Regent Muriel, and Galadriel are all looking over maps, and Halbrand's like, oh, they'll probably be here. And Muriel's like, hey, I'm really excited to take this trip with you. And Halbrand's been so busy, just nose to the blacksmith grindstone. He doesn't seem to know about this expedition. He's like, wait, who's going where? Why? Uh, what? And then Muriel's like, oh, you don't know. Well, you, you're kind of an important part of this. 
and then Galadriel and Halbrand exchange barbs. Well, I think he knows like that there's an expedition. He's just trying to not, not go. go. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and they have this battle back and forth about like, kind of who's using who, and Galadriel's like, oh, people might say, I'm using you, or blah, 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 or you're using me. So, I don't know. It's back and forth. It's the kind of same stuff we've already had, I think, in previous episodes that I just didn't think we needed more of. Sure. Who's using who? We find out that Halbrand, as he said many times, doesn't want to be king. He's just a simple blacksmith, man. Just a simple working man. Just wants to make sweet swords that are cool to the touch, even though they spend all day in the fire. Yeah, this guy is definitely not Simba. He does not want to be king. No, he doesn't. Uh, he eventually <laughs> slams this bag on the table <laughs> that they've mentioned multiple times. It has this like sigil and stuff on it. Yeah. What's in this bag? Is this like a coin purse? Does this hold his coins? Or does this have something more sentimental? Like, why does he wear it around his neck? I mean, the obviously answer is it's his retainer. I mean, as anyone knows, <laughs> okay. like, if you don't have a specific container for your retainer, if you don't have a container to retain your retainer, you will lose it. <laughs> like, you set it down at a restaurant, you put it on the napkin, happens to all of us, you lose it in a hotel in Sedona. Um, so, it's just a bag with his, I guess, royal uh, retainer. Royal retainer, okay, yeah, fair enough. Which you wouldn't think he would need, because his smile is so, so straight. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's get back to the migration because we care. The Harfoots. Oh, I had this question, Tom. They can't get like a squirrel or a rabbit or a pig to pull these carts. They've got to. They've got to go by hand. What? Wouldn't a Wouldn't a pig be about the right size to haul one of these things around? Am I wrong in this? Yeah. I mean, maybe, but I don't know. Are pigs good for like long haul trekking? They're better than something? doing it yourself. That's for sure. <laughs> Um, they don't seem to domesticate stuff they don't have like dogs they don't have other stuff i think that would potentially get them in trouble since their go-to uh defense mechanism is hiding under cloaks to try to look like rocks or shrubs maybe that's what that one guy was doing with the bees he was like listen town folks i've got a great idea we're gonna tie all these bees to the cart and then he brought everyone out and they were like oh here he goes he's gonna show us and he pulled back the curtain and then he was like Ah, oh, they're stinging me. There's so much pain. Bzz, Your weapons are useless bzz. against them. <laughs> peace, peace. Save yourself. I'm allergic. I'm allergic too. We'll come back for you. That's a great scene. Oh, man. We should just watch Tommy Boy. Um, anyways, what an idiot, as they, uh, as they say. I don't remember his name, but God bless him, he's dead. All right. Um, oh, the guy that died. Sardik was the one that called him an idiot. Yes, no, no, no. The 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 gentleman that uh, tried to we'll harness, call him Hank. harness the bees. Hank, the bee harnesser. The stranger. Oh, the wolves show up, and the wolves don't look mm-hmm. like wolves. They should be called something else. No wolf looks like that. Uh, the stranger <laughs> saves them. 
by he goes slamming. He does like his best, like Chris. Well, yeah, he slams his hand on the ground and yep. then pushes the uh, the dogs, wolves, whatever they are, away. But he, I was really hoping he would do like his best Chris Pratt uh, impression, putting like the raptor hands and just like keeping them at bay by just putting hands up, like you yep. know you can do to all animals. Yep, we don't care about blue. If there's one thing we've learned, we don't care about blue. Um, when he looks at his wrist after slamming it into the ground, are we supposed to believe like the magic did that? Because gotta be honest, if you punch the ground really hard, a bruise <laughs> is gonna form, magic or no magic. So, uh, did you get an understanding of why he dramatically like? Did he just discover pain for the first time? Do you have any idea what's I... happening there? I don't know, and again, I don't know enough about the Lord, nor do I probably care, but like the, the we've talked about it when we did the Lord of the Rings rewatch movies, how their magic is more just kind of like force push kind of thing. It doesn't have to like, you don't have to say a spell, you don't have to do it, it just kind of happens. So when he slams his hand down, that is my assumption, that it is just bruised, and then later on where he gets like the little ice bath, yeah, I just fixes it seemingly right away or i again i don't know if we're supposed to think that okay it's all black so it's like some dark magic or something i don't i don't know listen if we ever make another t-shirt the t-shirt should just say rings of power i don't know that should be (laughs) that should be the the t-shirt rings of power it's got a little emoji a a shoulder shrug emoji i don't know that's i mean (laughs) like i don't know we're five, Tom. This is the fifth episode. There's only six, seven, and eight until the season's done, and it is Fact. a lot of. I don't know. I mm-hmm. don't. Don't. Listen, I don't know. mind that necessarily in a show. Like, there's nothing wrong with like doing mystery, but I feel like some of the mystery they're trying to create is just not like fun mystery. I don't know. Like I said, I don't. I, I want to see the season all the way through and see where some of this stuff goes. We talked about. We had the preview pod about knowing that they want to do potentially five seasons. They're writing stuff that could potentially pay off in later seasons. So again, I don't know. Maybe maybe we'll see it. Maybe this will make more sense later. All right, we're in Numenor, and oh oh my goodness! All right, the volunteers are sword fighting now. I don't know if we got sword fighting training prior to this. Uh, I don't know if they do. Um, you know what? I'm going to call him the Sea Org. That's what I'm... I'm not going to say uh, Sea Guard. I'm going to call him the Sea Org, uh, ran, run by one Elron. Um, were they taught sword fighting in, ship, in, in ship class? Um, because these these volunteers are fighting, and the only instruction they seem to be getting is Ellen Deal from down the street going... Hey, make your dad proud. And it's like, wait, no, someone teach them how to like parry and thrust. And I don't know. And then it's like, oh, but Galadriel's going to teach him how to kill an orc. She's like, listen, I'm going to tell you guys a little secret. You want to know how to kill an orc? You stab it. And then you twist and you gut. And it's like, oh, okay, okay. I was just going to. We're good. I was going to gently caress them with the flat part of this. Is this a sword? Yeah. I was going to hit them with a handle. Um, and then Galadriel, like, challenges. Listen, I Galadriel's a cool character. Once again, actress is fabulous. This scene was just like, hey, we need some sort of action scene in here. We need mm-hmm. to, like, ramp up the music. Ellen Deal's like, if anyone draws blood, you'll get a promotion to lieutenant. 
dumb, 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 dumb. <laughs> because uh, whoever's going to be that lieutenant is going to be in charge of people. And if the only reason they got that promotion is because <laughs> they got a lucky score on Gladriel, dumb, 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 dumb. <sighs> Everyone goes to watch the elf fight. A Sildur's friend, uh, Valendil. The other one is On Antamo. Antamo. Uh, I don't know. Valendil gets promoted because he <laughs> stabs the elf. It's just like, what is going on? There's some. Listen. There's some. We'll call him a sergeant in the background who's been in the Numenir army for 15 years, and he's like been on the backlog to make lieutenant. And he's like, he went home to his family. And he's like, guys, I think I'm going to get promoted. Just time and grade. And then he watched Valendil get promoted because he stabbed an elf. And that guy was like, all right, maybe I'll get it on the next go. In 15 more years, I'll make lieutenant. <laughs> Anyways, I don't know. Their promotion system in Numenor is uh, upsetting and should be revamped. Diatribe It's over. suspect at best. Oh. <laughs> No, I mean, I'm with you. I feel like this is just like lazy writing. It's to your point. They they want to have, and I do, I want to see Gladriel fight. I want to see him train. But like the way they went about this was just silly. And I mean, again, they could have just done so much more with her and training. And uh, I mean, the fight sequence, I, I guess you can say is at least fun enough. And it's fun to see Morphe Clark, the actual actress, like doing all these own stuns. Um, like it's, it's that part of it at least is well done. But the storyline and the writing is just, silly i told Darrett it would have been better if because she's kind of like she's kind of like tapping them with her sword like she's like making kind of like, like foolish. putting in front of them yeah putting it in front of it. them yeah. and they're like you know and more than join the fight i was like halfway through out of nowhere she should just start butchering dudes like like lopping off limbs like stabbing people for <laughs> real like all of a sudden it goes from fun to galadriel snaps and just starts you know and she's like, look at me, I'm getting promoted too. And she's just covered in blood because she's <laughs> stabbed so many people. Anyways, that's where my dark sense of humor comes in. Thank goodness we cut from there and get to something important where Kemen is trying to convince his dad, the big Pizan, to stop the war. And then Pizan's like, listen, I'm a politician. I'm always four steps ahead. I'm playing 4D chess. He's like, we want the Southlanders in our debt. And uh, Muriel and her dad are old. And and the dad's like, hey, don't go. There's only darkness in Middle Earth. Yeah. All of that was fine. I don't care. That's where I'm at. Yeah. This is what I said at the top. Like, all the politicking they're doing. I think there's cool politicking you can do. And I think other shows have done it much better than what they're trying to do here. But, like, they're trying to put the dark music with uh Ferizon and him plotting over him so we're like okay he's gonna be like the the bad chancellor guy that's going to i don't know be their downfall but i mean they're just laying it so heavy-handed with him like scheming in the background it's, it's yeah he's the bad chancellor that's gonna call a global senate and the global senate's gonna nominate him interim uh galaxy emperor and that's how the Star Wars uh, episodes all start. I don't know. <laughs> oh, thank God we go from there to the migration, where the stranger freezes a pond because his arm hurts, and then he freezes Nori, Nori, and Nori gets shot away like a cannon. Because that's how how ice and stuff works. I don't, I don't get this. I don't. I mean, 
again, if it's a bruise and he's just like freezing the pond uh, to put ice on it, um, I mean, that's very fast moving ice. I don't understand what, does Nori see like uh, some sort of premonition or the future or is she just scared by the magic? Because it does a bunch of like quick cuts before she just gets flung across the woods. Well, she's she grabs his arm because she's like, oh, don't freeze your own arm. She's like, you need to elevate and compress and then follow it with five <laughs> minutes of ice, five minutes off. Everyone knows this. When she goes to grab his arm, her arm starts to freeze. She starts to sh- shout. And I don't know. We're just like, okay, the stranger has fire and ice powers and he can't control either. Also, he has ground punching powers that he doesn't seem to control. <laughs> I don't know. Rings of power. I don't know. I mean, I guess ultimately this does fix his arm, and then the trees shake, and we get ominous music again. So, again, I feel like there's something that, like, Nori got from this. I don't know why she's so afraid. She's seen the guy do magic before. Um, I get that, you know, her hand was kind of caught up on this, and she was a little bit scared. But I also don't know why she's grabbing him in the first place, because he clearly has some sort of power. Um, he's shown it in Falling from the Sky. He's shown it in the when he grabbed her when uh, he was in the fire. I just I don't I don't understand the fear and, and her running away. Well, she got shot out, you know, of a cannon <laughs> from an ice arm. So I guess maybe there's a little bit of fear there. But um, yeah, don't know what happened there. I'm going to move on to the dinner party because everyone loves the dinner party. We've got Durin <laughs> and High King Gilgalad. Uh, Elrond's there. They're exchanging questions. Honestly, this was the best part of the episode. Where Durin's mm-hmm. like, hey, what's this table made out of? Oh, it's a super sacred dwarf rock. We only use these for our honored dead. And Gilgalad, like a chump's like, I'm so sorry, you can have the table. And Durin's like, sucker. Uh, anyways, that was my favorite part of the whole thing. Do you know who plays Gilgalad? Uh, Channing Tatum's cousin. Yeah, the guy you said is Channing Tatum's cousin. <laughs> I think his name is like Benjamin Walker, I think is is maybe his name. I always assume all of these guys are like really important British theater actors. He's like a dude from Georgia who did like stand-up comedy. <laughs> I randomly looked up his stand-up comedy and it's like very blue, like kind of vulgar not kind of vulgar like stand-up comedy <laughs> and i was like who watched this guy at the laugh factory at 12 uh, 12 a.m and was like hey all those incest jokes let's uh let's make this guy kill king gilgalad <laughs> like this is our dude i don't know i was like it took me a little bit out of it because i'd only seen him in this and then i went and googled him and i was like oh that's a different look for the high king of the elves uh gilgalad not that he doesn't play the the role well. It was just a very like different ends of the spectrum. Um, right, his stand. The guy definitely has like a presence on screen. Oh he's sure, a, he's a yeah, big yeah. guy. He has a force, and I do think he delivers these lines pretty pretty well. I, I I'd like the actor. Yep. And then after dessert, which I'm assuming was some sort of ice cream and butter cake combination, uh, Gilgalad and Elrond uh, walk off into. Uh, some sort of garden because wherever there's an elf, there's always a garden within, I don't know, walking distance. Um, (laughs) They take all of their after-dinner discussions to the uh, garden. They discuss a legend where an elf warrior and a Balrog fight 
and they're fighting over an elvish tree, and they both strike the tree, and then the lightning strikes the tree. And this makes Mithril, because good, evil, and lightning, when you mix them together (laughs) and shoot them into a forest tree, it becomes uh, Mithril. And that captures the last light of the Silmaril. Uh, I'm going to throw this out there with absolutely no evidence whatsoever. The way they kind of like shot this elf and made him seem like, I don't know, like important. I'm going to say that uh, Adar or Adar is that elven warrior. Okay. Okay. No evidence hot take. Okay. I mean, they could do that and all the Lord of the Rings nerds would lose their minds, but it seems like all (laughs) the Lord of the Rings nerds are already losing their minds. So they're already in a, I don't know. Southeast Asia ground war because they're not going to win. Um, <laughs> we find out that the tree is dying and the light of the Eldar is fading. There's some weird like disease on the leaves. And Gilgalad's like, listen, one of the reasons we sent our girl Galadriel away is because all her warmongering was causing these leaves to die. And then it's like, oh, but now that she's gone, the leaves are still dying. So... Our bad. Yeah. I don't know. I saw this black goo, which made me think of uh, Stranger Things and the Upside Down, which would be a really cool crossover. That would be a super cool crossover if they just <laughs> got rid of all the Lord of the Rings stuff and just kept making Stranger Things. Elrond. Oh, he's like, so Gilglad's trying to get um, Elrond to admit the elves fa- or the dwarves found Mithril. It seems like they kind of already know, like... Mithril was supposed to be a secret, but all these elves know about it. So it's like, mm-hmm. what's, what secret are we keeping here? If everyone knows it's not a secret, I, I'm, I cannot say that enough or too loudly. What, what is happening here? Well, in the way Elrond even like replies to it, he like, like King Galgalad like <laughs> clearly asks him like, Hey, do they have it? And he's like, I've been sworn to secrecy, not to say, Oh, okay. So the, the fact that you're just saying that tells me that, okay, yeah, they do. Otherwise you just say, no, I didn't see it when I was down there. So like, he's not lying. He's saying he's sworn to secret. It's just, it's silly. And even at the end of this conversation, he pulls out of his pocket while Gilgalad is still like 20 feet away. He pulls out the mithril. And he's holding it. Like, it's just, it's comical. It's just silly, silly, silly. Gilgalad's like, Oh, Oh, what do you have there in your hand? He's like, Oh, oh nothing, N- nothing. I didn't know you were still standing right next to me. And yeah, Elrond's like, Elrond's like, listen, when Durin showed me that mithril, I promised him I would never talk about it. So no, I won't answer your questions about mithril, which I've heard of several times and might have in my pocket. I won't break my oath. I'm a man of my, I'm an elf of my word. All right. The only thing I'll say about this scene that is worth like reiterating and once again getting probably tattooed on my left bicep, maybe my middle bicep, <laughs> I don't know, would be the line from Gilgalad where he says, uh, hope is never mere, even when it is meager. When all other senses sleep, the eye of hope is first to awake and last to shut. And it was a cool mm-hmm. quote about the importance of hope. I like it. And then I mm-hmm. thought... Ted Lasso has a whole episode about how it's the hope that kills you. <laughs> and I was like, all right, that was, that's a fun, that's a fun uh, juxtaposition of the two. But no, I did, I did like that, uh, the delivery mm-hmm. of those things. But 
this is to be like more in line with Tolkien, right? Like this seems like it is sure. straight from his works and the idea of hope and the importance of hope. I loved it. And there's there's definitely some great nuggets in here. Yeah, I would say this show is like every once it's like every once in a while they either stole something straight from Tolkien and they threw it in the dialogue and it's so it is so like noticeable, like just in the beauty and like simplicity of what mm-hmm. it says, where all the other dialogue is like uh, average at best. I don't know. <laughs> I don't even know if that's Tolkien, but it was like someone who, I don't know, dropped acid, read all of Tolkien, <laughs> and then like regurgitated one line that was as close to Tolkien as they could. Um, anyway, so there's I, a fantastic line that uh, kind of ends this episode, which I'm very excited to get to. Okay, wonderful. From our boy Durin. We're back in Numenor. Uh, oh, all the people are singing because this is about before they all ship off. This is the night before they ship off. I always appreciate a scene where like a group of people like sing a song together, and I mm-hmm. truly thought like if we as a group of friends ever got together. Is there a single song that we could all sing and like in this way? And I would encourage everyone who has friends. If you don't have friends, you don't have to do this exercise. But Tom and I will be your friend. Um, But like if you sat down with your friends, is there like a single song you would all know and could like sing around a campfire? And the best I could come up with was like happy birthday. I just don't think like, I don't think... We as a, like, I don't know if it's just modern people. I'm sure back in the day when you didn't have TV and, like, radio and all these things, all you had for entertainment is, like, some guy pulled out his fiddle and you could all, like, (laughs) sing the same songs you grew up on. Um, Can you think of a single song that, like, people would literally be able to sing all the words to, like, together? Do you know what I'm getting at? Like, because shows always do this. It's always, like, a bonding moment where they're like, oh, they all sing together. And you're like, it's such a cool thing, but I'm like, I don't know that any of my friends could all sit down and sing <laughs> once again. Other than no, I don't think person. so. I think it's more like a cultural thing, right? Like in America, we don't go to like pubs. We don't do like, I think of like, like soccer and sports, like okay. all okay. these big soccer teams in England, like all of those teams have uh, songs they'll sing. Like I know the one for Chelsea. There's a lot of popular ones for a lot of the big teams and clubs that they'll sing all together in a stadium, and it's absolutely amazing. But I think that kind of comes from them in pubs and in bars and doing, like, drinking songs and things like that because it exists here in America, but it's just not as widespread. Everybody in America likes to just sit in the corner and drink their, their alcohol and beer by themselves and sure. not be bothered. Well, I guess, now that I think about it, there's, like... So, like, if you went to a school and you had a fight song, Maybe like in that at that point in your life or like if you're alumni who like sticks with the school and like watches every right. game, mm-hmm. like maybe you would know that school's fight song. I think it's it, it's interesting to me the like when you watch shows like this and I, 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 I'm going to go off on a tangent here, but the almost like the power of like people singing in unison and doing that. Like if you've ever been at a concert where you all love the band. And, like, Mm -hmm. maybe you don't know every word, but you've had enough to drink. (laughs) Like, and there's, like, I think there is, like, some sort of weird energy that happens in that experience. I mean, mean, it's probably psychologically related to, like, you go to church and you sing songs together. Like, 
in unison. There is something about a group of people doing something in unison that is tied to music uh, that I always find a little bit interesting. But I was like, I wish my friends and I went and learned a weird Irish drinking song that when we <laughs> like went on a camping trip slash hunting trip and we were sitting around at night, like there was a Samwise Gamgee amongst us who would start the tune in his beautiful Irish lilt and, you know, we'd take up the song. But that's never going to be Listen, happening. Listen, we did play... We did play Sea of Thieves for a while. We tried to learn some sea shanties, but <laughs> we didn't right. really settled on one. We we just uh, <laughs> I just played Heart of Oak, the uh, British Navy <laughs> song, uh, on my phone in the background. Anyways, sing singing songs with Buddy. Do it more often. That's my homework to the audience. Go sing. Yeah. With your friends, maybe that's why people love karaoke. I don't know. This is where a silder shows up. All of his buddies, this is so typical. One of his buddies is like, I'm going to war. Let's get engaged. We're getting married. And it's like, oh, that's a really good uh, rash decision you made. Um, Isildur shows up to talk to uh, his two buddies. And uh, they make amends in a roundabout way, I guess. Yeah, I mean, there's funny back and forth and stuff. Like saying, like, he's my best friend. Or they made a bet about whether Isildur is going to ask them for a favor. But I, I don't know, like, I just hate this trope at the end where instead of his friends, like, forgiving him because he's sincerely apologizing, they need to punch him twice in the face and in the gut and then have him hit the ground. And then, oh, OK, cool. We're good now. Like, it's just it's just dumb. Like, it's just stupid masculinity. I've got to punch you to feel better about myself. And then everybody's good. It's it's again, poor writing. I didn't, I didn't think it was dumb at all, Tom. Every time. <laughs> Every time I accept an apology, I punch that person in the face just to make sure they just to make sure they understand it. That's why there's a lot of domestic violence cases currently pending. Um anyways, yeah, no, I'm with you. It's a little it's always a little bit strange. Um if he's a good friend, he probably doesn't hit you would be my uh would be yeah, my probably. comment. Plus the guy just got promoted to lieutenant. What's he? I mean, Isildur got him kicked out of the Sea Org, and in like a day, he got promoted to an officer rank. So uh, he should be thanking Isildur. He's like, oh, I'd be like the scuttlebutt dude swabbing the deck on ship right now if you hadn't have gotten us kicked out. Uh, I'd be reading all those science uh, fiction novels by Big L. Ron. Anyways, we cut from there. Kemen is doing some uh, light sabotage. And a silder stowing away, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you know it? Uh, these two idiots are just real dumb, and they blow the boat up, anyways. It's like, really, we we've gonna we're gonna struggle over the torch. Over, I really kind of hope they both died because there's a quick cut where a silder like turns and looks, and then it's like ship explosion. It's like a Michael Bay boom, and I was like, oh, I kind of hope they're both dead, but. What is what is in these ships that make them explode with such ferocity? Gasoline. Like, man. I don't I don't know refined, how ships work. <laughs> refined gasoline. They've got gasoline for their horses. <laughs> oh, what do you, th- what do you think those horse horses power. run on, man? That good old American muscle. 
All them horses just roaring on gasoline. Yeah, I'm and with you. It gets two boats, right? Like, they're seemingly yeah. doing this in a single boat, but One. I guess the remnants of it immediately makes another boat uh, explode in the same ferocity. Yeah. I, I'm, oh, man. Real deep investigation here. They pull Kemen and Sildur out of the water, coming from the boat that blew up, and he's like, what happened? He's like, oh, he was, uh, he was fishing at night um, from a little skiff and just happened to be in the direction when a cask went off. And uh, Ellen Deal's like, Story checks out, boys. All right, let's go. Let's go look for a different culprit. Um, promoted, and yeah, promote both of you, <laughs> lieutenants of the fire brigade. You guys are in charge of fires now. Um, not putting them out, but setting them. And then we cut to the scene where the queen and uh, the big Pizan is talking, and we they're like the show's like oh, too many people are going to ask questions about why the boats exploded. So let's just have Paizan say, oh, we think a passing brigand <laughs> caused it. And you're like, what? Like, there are a bunch of dudes out on the docks. There, I, uh, it was, anyways, I'm not gonna, I can't it's do silly. it. Uh, mm-hmm. The queen's like, oh, maybe I should reconsider since two of the five ships um, are burning in the harbor. Uh, oh, by the way, where's Halbrand? Let's reconvene in the morning. And Halbrand better be on board, ready to go on one of the three ships that's still not on fire. Why does she need Halbrand? Like, is she, like, thinking that she needs to, like, place him as king? She needs, like, a royal decree? Like, hasn't Galadriel already convinced her enough, like, you need to fight for the men here because there's, like, evil growing? Listen, I don't think the Southlands is like a legit nation. Like, so I don't feel like when Halbrand shows up, everyone's going to be like, I guess they mention it sometimes. We're like, oh, I'm not the king you, um, mm-hmm. you know, you need. But uh, I don't feel like when he shows up, all the people are going to rally. But if you go off of Paisan's political, then they need to, I guess, put a king in place so that he sends them. Sends them ore and gold and horses and I don't know trade. It's all it all comes. It's all capitalism in the end, Tom. That's all it comes down <laughs> to. Good old fashioned capitalism. Um, no, I'm with you. We, why do we need? If we're fighting evil, let's go fight evil. Why do we need a Halbrand? I guess we think Halbrand mm-hmm. will rally these people to the cause. But once again, every time they say Southlands, I'm like Southlands. I don't feel like Southlands is a nation. If it is. It's really lazy, uh, really lazy uh, country naming. They're like, uh, we're south of most people. We're going to be the country of Southlands. That's right. The Republic of Southlands. It's like it's actually in the Northeast, too. It's like it's like if a group of, of territories were like, hey, we're all a bunch of, I don't know, we're all a bunch of states. Let's just call ourselves, I don't know, we're pretty united. We're the United of States. The United States. Let's call us that. You're like, that's pretty lazy. Yeah. Anyways, I love America. From there, we go to the Elven Woods. Uh, Elrond and Celebrimbor talking. And thank you. Thank you, writers. Uh, turns out Mithril's the only thing that's going to save. Celebrimbor says this like he's a mad scientist. He's like, listen, I've tried everything else. I've taken all these poor elves and I've thrown mithril at them. And as long as we pepper their bodies with mithril, 
<laughs> it will heal them from what? I was like, wait, what's happening? So they have to saturate all of the elves in the light of the Eldar, which comes from Mithril. Dumb, dumb, dumb. Do you know well, new and- shirt, Tom? New shirt rings the power. I don't know. <laughs> dumb? Question mark. <laughs> Oh man, this this episode we've we've taken a turn on. Uh, this, uh, I don't want to hate but, it. I really don't. Yeah, this this is just silly to me because of the like uh, oath breaking. Right, he literally gives the mithril to Kellenbrimbor and shows it to him. How is this not breaking his word? Is my bond with with Durin here? Like it's silly. He didn't say, "Hey, don't just tell the High King." It's don't tell anybody this is going on, and he is sharing this stone with this other guy. It's bananas yeah he like trips and he's like oh and he puts it into Celebrimbor's hand and he's like oh i don't know how this magic stone of the eldar light got into your hand could this be something that would interest you Celebrimbor, like this is always like a cheap emotional ploy for Celebrimbor. he's like oh hey you know what i was there when your dad sailed off into space and i was like why do you have to go and the dad's like because no one else will, and it's right. And he's like, I wonder if you could be like your dad. And I don't I was... Uh. I did read... Again, I'm not going to go deep into this because I don't know the lore well enough, but I did read something that talked about... Like, the the series in general does not have a lot of strong, like, female characters, and they make mention of um, Elrond's mom, like, being the one that says, oh, why do you have to go? And right. then uh, the dad is like, because I'm the only one that can do it kind of thing. Just, again, making the mom just kind of a backseat that's just saying, oh, please don't leave us. When in all reality in the books, I think the mom was like a central figure and did a lot of this stuff with Elrond's father. So again, it's just like, I know they're, they're, they're strong female characters throughout this series that they're introducing, but it just seems silly to take what was a strong female character from the source material and just have her be a MacGuffin to push, you know, Elrond and his father forward. Sure, sure. I, I have to disagree with you on strong female characters didn't you see galadriel fighting all those uh new recruits (laughs) who have never swung a sword before for like 10 minutes in the middle of this episode so i think this show's got its (laughs) finger on the pulse of what strong female characters are all about tom that was sarcasm by the way i agree with you um nailed it numenor uh halbrand is sweeping poorly i would say (laughs) Well, I don't know if he's sweeping poorly. He just has the world's worst sweep. These bristles are so far apart. He's trying to like seemingly sweep sand, and it's going nowhere. It's it's pretty funny. He needs himself a good Dyson. Listen, this is where there's moments where I realize, as a parent, I've maybe not set my children up for success. Uh, I handed one of my kids a broom, and I was like, hey, go sweep that up. And I watched that kid try to work a broom, and their like <laughs> arms were in the wrong spot. They did not know how to like move it. And I was like, oh, so sweeping isn't something you just like innately are born with. You have to be taught it. And uh, maybe my parents just had me sweeping at a very young age. But I was like, listen, kid, this hand here, this hand here, short brushes. like." And then my kids are the type where they just make it seem so difficult that I'm just like, all right, go. I'll do it. I'll do it. It's not even worth me yelling at you for. So... That's a parenting <laughs> failure on my part. Anyways, Halbrand apparently uh, needed a little bit of a lesson. Galadriel shows up. She's like, hey, listen, you got to join us. 
you know, Hal Brand's like, no, my side worked for the evil side. And Galadriel's like, I can, I can fix you. Just look into my eyes. I don't know. This, he, this. He's given the, the haunted past story. Like, he's like, there's more to me. And yeah, he's very similar to uh, Adar, I think, in this aspect. Yeah. Galadriel. <sighs> Listen, Galadriel keeps fighting because she cannot stop. That that's what she says in this scene. Like we get this very dramatic. She's like, I cannot stop fighting. They thought they could not um, distinguish me from the evil that I was searching for and fighting. So they banished me. She's like, I can't stop fighting because I cannot stop. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, what? It was confusing. It's a bit silly yeah like the it was even filmed weird like she says like i cannot stop and then she walks away from like uh how brand and like the camera now like she's got his back turned to him like it's like a soap opera uh but i mean also i think what they're getting at here is just she is vengeance and she needs to seek vengeance for her brother and that's why she can't stop but the way it's delivered i think is just comical it would have been better if she would have butchered all those recruits in the city. And like in this scene, she's still covered in blood. And she's like, listen, earlier today, I was training some recruits. I murdered all of them. I couldn't stop myself. He's like, why can't you stop fighting? She's like, I can't stop fighting because I can't stop. And you're like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. She's covered in blood. She's pretty terrifying. But she's like, listen, together with your haunted past and my can't stop stopping, which I think is a... um the pop star HBO spoof with um, Andy Samberg, uh, yeah. Can't Stop Stopping, is Galadriel's theme song. Anyways, she's got She's like, listen, we've got to go fight in order to earn our peace. Which is an interesting you know, juxtaposition. We have to fight to get peace, which I guess is fair in, in, in war. Uh, but it reminded me of Aldous Snow. I think it's his name in the Forgetting Sarah Marshall franchise. He's got like a line from his... Uh, we got to do something song or it's like fight back against violence, which is just, it's brilliant. That character in forgetting Sarah Marshall is <laughs> incredible. The Southlands, the tower people. Oh, they walked over all the way to Adar they like swear allegiance to him and he's like listen i'll swear to you you are sauron aren't you and he's like and clearly he's not sauron because then he's like well whoever you are i'll swear to you too and then adar's like listen if you want to join the club you got to get a little stabby and so we have <laughs> waldrig who is old cranky sauron follower about to stab Rowan, the guy that left Theo um, mm -hmm. on his own in the town. And so this confirmed to you that Adar is not Sauron. I mean, I think so. I, I think otherwise the show wouldn't do this. If you're really going to say this guy is Sauron, then just call him Sauron. Like, there's no need for him to be coy about this. Um, but, like, he gives a line, Adar does, about, like, only blood can bind. And that's where he holds up Rowan and says, like, you know, more or less says, hey, you got to kill this guy. I don't know. I feel like there is more to that. The idea that this hilt of the sword needs blood to be able to bind to it. I don't know. Is this guy's Adar Sauron's stepbrother? Do we have like a... a I don't know. Dale, Dale and Brennan? Dale and Brennan. Um, this guy's probably more like Derek, you know? 
<laughs> successful. Hasn't had a carb since 2005. Um, well, he doesn't give him the hilt to that sword, right? Theo's still got the magic sword. He just throws him like a dagger that he's going to stab. Well, but yeah, Rowan he with, gives right? the line, though. Adar says the line, only blood can bind. And that was his line to say, hey, you've got to kill this guy. I, can't, I don't know what they're going at here, but it's just, I thought it was supposed to be a meaningful line and we're supposed to take something more from this. I thought this was just another point where the show was like, hey, the audience may have forgotten that Adar's the bad guy, so let's show that he's a bad guy. And he's not just going to let you like swear fail, uh, fealty. You've mm-hmm. got to prove it. And you got to prove it by stabbing the one able-bodied young man here. I would have turned that <laughs> stuff around. I would have been like, Rowan, you're probably going to last this a little bit longer. Why don't you stab this old man uh, to prove? <laughs> um, but that's probably not as dramatic. So anyways, I don't even know if they ended up getting stabby here because we cut away because this show... Mm-hmm. This show dances the line of which I appreciate because once again, if kids are in the room, it's not like that big of a deal. But it also sometimes you got to commit to a little bit of violence or evil if you want to. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I just miss when Aragorn could cut off an orc's head and it was still a PG <laughs> PG thirteen movie. You know, we could watch him break his toe on screen, and uh, the parental guidance thing didn't pop up. Anyways, Theo does archery. His new dad uh, throws the baseball with him. Uh, his new dad is Aaron Deer. Aaron Deer is like, you got to lift your aim. What does that mean? You've got to lift your aim. Like, is he just telling him you're shooting too low? Because I don't think that was the issue. You have to lift your aim. This was like something where they're like, hey... I don't know. You know what? I'm not going to say anything more because all of the archers in our audience are going to send me angry emails at teambingepodcast <laughs> at gmail.com where they're like, hey, lift his aim is when the arrow and the bow and I don't know. Anyways, I'm sorry. You probably all don't sound like that. Don't shoot me with arrows. If you do lift your aim. Um, he's then like, hey, thanks, dad, for spending time with me. He's like, don't call me dad. <laughs> <laughs> like dad and Aaron Deer just don't call me dad <laughs> oh I'm sorry are you allowed to Missed laugh that hard at your own joke oh that was bad I apologize cut all that out Tom um, he gives his new dad the hilt and the dad's like oh I've seen this before because I've been around for 400 years it's identical to this sword and the stone carving it just <sighs> happens to be literally right here like uh, I just I don't know. Is 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 this supposed to be like Morgoth that's carved into this stone? Like it was a monument to him? No, no. It's a picture of Spawn. Do you remember the old comic Spawn? Oh, okay. Maybe it's the Punisher mask. I don't know, Tom. Tom, <laughs> I don't know. Read my shirt, man. I don't know. <laughs> oh. It's a key, like, oh, there's certain times they jump to conclusions in this show, like earlier when Aaron Deere is a prisoner, and they're like, they're looking for something. They're looking for a weapon? I bet they're looking for a weapon. I was like, okay, so they're probably looking for a weapon show? And then in this one, he's like, oh, it's a key. I was like, no, it's the hilt of a sword, not a key. Mm-hmm. I don't know what locks you've been picking. Um, and he's like... And Theo must have what it needs to be activated. And I was like, yeah, his bodily fluid, which 
I wouldn't ask a teenager to give up too much bodily fluid to activate a key, but <laughs> what do I know? Anyways. I don't think Theo was anything special here. I think he just says that he knows that Theo has the hilt at okay. this point. Because like, Theo escaped and all that kind of thing. So I don't think he's special, but I mean, who knows? Um, I don't. But does the sword... <laughs> I sure sick, don't. Does the sword, like, is it supposed to, like, turn you into Sauron? Does it make you evil? Doesn't, like, Sauron already exist in this world somewhere? I know we don't yes. know it because the show hasn't told us, but... Yes. Okay, okay. Yes. It does. I was thinking he does, a key to you're turn right. you into no, something. I'm, but... I'm, I'm, he does exist somewhere. Where that is, we don't know. <laughs> it would be super funny if the sword is the spirit of Sauron, and if you're the right person that stabs it into your forearm, you then become Sauron. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> uh, this is so great because <laughs> Bronwyn all of a sudden is like, you know what? Let's surrender. I'm out. <laughs> we're done. <laughs> I was like, wait, what? You were the one that gave the Independence Day speech about not going quietly into the night. And now you're like, you know what? Now that you've found that sword and all those other dudes left, all the old people, half of them left. We are in trouble. I quit. I I was... <laughs> it was listen. a turn. It was a turn. They eventually look up at the tower. Because um, I think Aaron Deer or somebody mentions, like, if the... They're not going to... Are they going to keep attacking until this tower will fall? And they look up at it. And it can just give some ominous music at the end of the sequence. Is the idea that they're going to, like take out the tower they're going to collapse it they're going to destroy it on the orcs they're seemingly high above said orcs i don't know i feel like we're gonna get something with this tower yeah i, I mean i would hope so they've spent so much time there although bronwyn <laughs> is i don't i don't know there's something uh, <sighs> there is something about bronwyn <laughs> I really, I want this character to be awesome. I did not want her to give up. I wanted her to be the one that was like, listen, everyone, get your bows and arrows, lift your aim, because that's something, <laughs> and the orcs are coming. Like, I wanted that from her. I also want her to not be in kind of a, like, modern workout top. Um, I don't know if, if <laughs> the wardrobe on Bronwyn, if you catch this, but, like, they shoot her from, like, the waist up a lot of time. And I'm like, that's like a modern, like, workout shirt that you're wearing. And then they, like, back out. And I'm like, no, that's, okay, that's a dress. I don't know. I don't <laughs> know if her, anyways. I wish she would be in Galadriel's suit of armor all the time. That would be mm. awesome. But that is anyways, cool. the orcs are marching. And then we're in the elven woods. Durin's laughing about stealing that table, which... Uh, so good fantastic so good just make a show about durin stealing things from people or like tricking them into (laughs) giving them up elrond is troubled durin's like speak durin's like listen i'm gonna hop on this rock so we can shoot the scene easier so that i don't (laughs) look so much shorter than you he has a line tom he has a line do you want me to say this one or do you want to do you want to do it his it, line, plainly. as he's trying to get Elrond to speak plainly, he says, Enough with the quail sauce. Give me the meat and give it to me raw. <laughs> Which is straight out of Tolkien, right? This is a Tolkien. Say, it's gotta be. Oh, my God. 
Enough. I know. I like. I love this line. I thought it was very funny. I feel like the first time I kind of missed some of it, but because the general idea being that dwarves were more plainly spoken, and Elrond always kind of speaks in riddles or speaks like so high elfish or whatever. But looking back at it now, I think this just perfectly sums up like the pacing of the season so far. Like, like enough of this like slow politicking stuff. Like, get to what I'm here for, which is the adventure and the action and. I don't know. There's just it's it's been way too slowly paced in the last couple episodes. They need more. Yeah, they need more. They need to move quicker. Enough with the quail sauce show. Give it me <laughs> the meat and give it to me raw. <laughs> that's a t-shirt too. That's a t-shirt too. Unfortunately, that's probably already <laughs> trademarked. That's that's Amazon's new slogan. Enough with the quail sauce. <laughs> give me the meat and give it to me raw. Two day shipping. All right, the elves, we find out during this conversation, need to leave or they're going to diminish without Mithril. By the way, Durin should be fine with this. He clearly doesn't love elves. And so when they're like, listen, we're all going to become mortal and die, Durin should be like, yeah, welcome to the club. Uh, I'm sorry (laughs) that like you were immortal and now you're not. But guess what? The majority of the rest of us don't live forever. So uh, welcome to the club. Uh, it's really tough to feel this. bad about an immortal complaining about becoming mortal. Yeah. Well, and that's where I'm confused about their immortality. Like, do they truly live forever without the light of whatever else they need? Or they do need some form of some magic to keep them going like they procreate right they make more elves or the elves that are currently there are the only elves that exist listen i'm gonna send you some video clips about elves procreating (laughs) tom don't open them at work or on your work laptop but okay i've got some for you um they do procreate because there are children of elves the other thing is they go to the land of the undying. That's the that's where they sail off to and then they live forever. So really the thing here is like, oh, let's just all get on our ships a little earlier than we normally would and go to the undying <laughs> lands. Like mm-hmm. I don't they're not going to stay in Middle-earth forever anyways. That's what happens in Lord of the Rings. The elves are all leaving these shores and going to the Undying Lands. It's the age of men now. So, I don't know. Durin is super excited to have the elven race, the fate in his hands. He makes Elrond <laughs> say it over and over again. And then he's like, all right, but we got to agree, or we got to go get my father to agree to help. And then they're, like, walking away. They do, like, their little quips and jokes about, like, oh, say the table's from me or whatever. But they do this cutback, which is exactly what Elrond did to Disa and Durin in the cave, where Gilgalad is just hovering over and appearing to hear this entire conversation going on. So, I mean, again, just the awareness if this guy is really there listening to all this. And, again, this is this is cheap uh, TV show making where – you need this character to know about this, so just put him in the background to hear this exact same conversation. It's all great. It's all great. <clears throat> I love every moment of it. Give me more. Pump it into my veins. Let's finish this off, Tom. We're back in Numenor. Halbrand. Yeah, and Halbrand's kind of struggling here, right? Like, he's at the blacksmith shop. He's 
get a guard's got to come in. They kind of call him and say, "Hey, the queen needs you." I think he puts down his little uh, baggie of retainers. Uh, what did you say it was? Retainers. Retainer. Yeah. yeah. He puts his uh, retainer container down, um, and we think, "Oh, okay, he's he's not going to fight." And then two seconds later, he picks it back up. We're like, "All right, he's in." And then it does a quick cut of him and some some dope armor. Yeah, because he's like, "Listen, if I go over there, it's going to be a couple of months. If I don't wear my retainer." Who knows what's going to shift, you know? Because if you don't wear your retainer, they'll shift back to the way they were. Mm-hmm. How do I mean? How do orthodontists stay in business? That's exactly why. Because people forget their retainers, their teeth shift. They got to get braces again. Boom! It's all a crock. It's just a, a self fulfilling. Yeah, retainer runs out of battery after two years. You got to go right. get another one. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Although I have known they've started doing lithium retainers, which last longer. Ooh. And uh, spontaneous combust sometimes, which makes it a little bit weird on the teeth. Um, everyone, everyone looks great in their armor. Everyone. We get these beautiful shots of everyone in armor. It's with... really what it is. It's like everybody just went and like upgraded their armor. So really looked cool. Uh, we get instead of white leaves falling, we get a bunch of red petals from flowers falling. So I'm assuming this is just the the red face cream yep. uh, falling from the sky. Yep, that's the that's the fall. What we what we release in the fall for like wind oh, burn, okay. cold skin. That's what we mm-hmm. yeah at uh, <laughs> teambingefacecreams.com. <laughs> Not to be confused with teambingecrystals.com. Yeah, sure, that's a different one. Uh, just depends on. <laughs> How much you believe in magic and whether or not it's real. Isildur is a soldier now. Doesn't need any training. Just needs a suit of armor and he's Mm -hmm. on board. Yeah, it's good to see nepotism is still alive and well. Still alive and well. But oh no, there's a twist. Isildur (laughs) joined the cavalry, but he gets to sweep the stables. Hey, I'm going to say this probably more than once in my life, but if you're getting onto a boat don't wear your armor. This is just just some advice from someone who knows how to swim and has a fear of drowning. Don't get on a boat in armor. I mean, it doesn't take much for a little bit of a slip. You go overboard, and you're not swimming in that stuff. So, um, Yeah, I get it's all ceremonial, but yeah, it does not seem very, very safe and sound. No, it does not. They should all be wearing those orange neck life jackets uh, around their neck. <laughs> Uh, the ones that you pull the rip cord and it explodes. Um, I think mm-hmm. that's what that does. Galadriel looks great. Speaking of suits of armor, she shows up. This is like the show's like. Mm-hmm. Listen, all of these episodes only serve for these like certain shots, and this is one of those shots <laughs> where it's like Galadriel yeah. looking awesome. Rip. Rip straight from the trailer for sure. Uh, this isn't like elf armor, right? This is just Numenor armor made for her. So. It's nice to see that she can get this fashioned rather quickly in 10 days, just specifically to fit her. Uh, but then we get this classic like forearm shake from Halbrand and Galadriel. So I guess all is forgiven. Like all of this stuff, all this back and forth, it was just to get to this point and we're, we're good to go. Everybody's, everybody's good. Yeah, two things. One, the handshake is just like when Arnold and Carl Weathers shake hands in the Predator. <laughs> That's exactly what this is, shot for shot. Watch them side by side. It's unrecognizable which one is which. <laughs> the second thing I'll say is her armor was 100% made by Halbrand. That's why he kind of winks at her. Um, and he, he pulls her in and he goes, it's made of Mithril. And Galadriel's like, 
but that doesn't make any sense because we shouldn't know what Mithril was. Halbrand <laughs> looks into camera and then cut. End of episode. Wink. Wink. Um, <laughs> and I already made my Nina Pinta and Santa Maria uh, joke. So every kid in the yeah, world, as these ships sail off, <laughs> knows what they're called. Straight from the trailer, though, with these three boats with the really cool sails um, taking off into the distance. And again, very epic music. I'm really hoping this is going to crescendo into some sort of fun, epic adventure for the next episode. Uh, Unfortunately, I think we might just get them on the boat hanging out. I don't know, playing Liar's Dice. (laughs) Watch will go for a swim. (laughs) Who knows? Just gambling below decks. It's an, epi- yeah. it's an episode where Galadriel develops a drinking problem. We discover Halbrand's got a gambling problem. Uh, someone gets murdered. It's a bottle episode on ship where they've got to find out who who murdered who. That would be pretty dope. Yeah, so that was episode five. I'm going to watch all these episodes. It looks great. It's well acted. It's just got holes, and mm-hmm. I'm not even attacking it from a lore perspective. I'm just, you know, looking at it holistically as a show of like, if it wasn't tied to Lord of the Rings, would I watch it? I would probably put it in the category of Wheel of Time, like the Wheel of Time series Amazon released. It's a fantasy show. Mm-hmm. I never read those books. So, like, when I tried to watch it and it didn't really like, hit home it was kind of like okay i'm I'm not gonna watch the series i kind of feel like if i wasn't tied to this show through lord of the rings i don't know that i would continue to watch it Go yeah i'm with you i, I do <laughs> you've mentioned many a time like fantasy is difficult to do and you have to kind of toe that line of being too fantastical and still being grounded but i don't think that's the show's problem i think the show does a decent job of like keeping the fantasy elements you know to a point but it's just to me a lot of like lazy writing and sure. taking this source material which is fantastic source material very dense source material but they're tweaking things that i don't think they necessarily needed to um and again i don't know enough about it um but it it does kind of feel like a fantasy show that is resting so much on its <laughs> budget and how everything looks and has acted great, but has some work to do in its in its writing and execution. Sure, yeah, that's not to say we'll it see. won't like pick up. Like it's got three mm-hmm. episodes to go in this season. Like if we get some epic battles, like if we get not that I just need violence, but I think those like plot points in a show can simplify it a bit in terms of mm-hmm. you know we're building up towards a big battle. If we go like episode six and seven. And then eight is the big battle. I'll be a little bit disappointed just because I want more from this. And like some of the fun parts of the Lord of the Rings trilogy are those, you know, it's Helm's Deep. It's the Fields of mm-hmm. Pelennor. So yeah, I'm going to watch it all. I, want, I don't hate the show. And I don't feel like you need to be at a place where you either like hate it or love it. I'm, I'm middle yeah. of the road on this. I'm going to watch it. Mm-hmm. I enjoy it. I enjoyed talking to you about it. <laughs> you know, um, for a show called Rings of Power, there's uh, a lot of lack of rings. There's there's legitimately no rings, Tom. <laughs> Which is interesting because it's like, 
Are they going to take Mithril? To your point, are the rings made of Mithril? Is that what we're going for? Is like that where that power is going to come from? Um, Halbrand being a blacksmith, does he have something to do with building these? We thought it was Celebrimbor, but and I think the lore would say Celebrimbor is involved in making them. But despite the fact that the first time we see dwarves building a tower, they seem like they were almost finished. We haven't gone back to that tower. <laughs> Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm interested to see where it goes. I'm going to give it the benefit of the doubt. And uh, we appreciate all of you joining us as we talk about this show. Um, <laughs> stick with us. We'll watch all of them together. If you've got gripes or complaints or corrections, you can email us at teambingepodcast. No, teambingepodcast at gmail.com. There it is. I've got it. <laughs> Uh, Tom will give you our other handles. We are on Twitter. And <laughs> let's go to our recommendations, Tom, because that brings me to Twitter. <laughs> I'm going to recommend watching the movie Roadhouse. <laughs> I watched Roadhouse for the first time in a long time. It's Patrick Swayze. It's Sam uh, Sam Neill. Am I right on that? Okay. Sam Neill, Sam O'Neill, I don't know. The uh, the old cowboy himself. I think I've probably got his name wrong now that I think about it. But it's a great movie. Go watch it. I tweeted. I got a, I got a hold of our Twitter, and I started <laughs> tweeting about it. And Tom woke up the next morning and was like, what are you doing? So uh, I'm not going to say I was sober while watching Roadhouse, but I had, a, I had just a heck of a time. It's just... I don't know. It's a great movie. It's I don't know if fun. I've seen that all the way through. Is it like a a good bad movie? Is it a bad bad movie that was you know more enjoyable because you were playing a drinking game with it? It's better than it's better than it has any right to be. It's surprising okay. at moments because it takes some of these things. So the premise is this: Tom, he's the greatest bouncer <laughs> in the world, and he goes from rough bars <laughs> to rough bars fixing them. But he's like a his mantra is like everyone be kind. Just be kind. You don't have to rip a guy's throat out until it gets to the point where you have to rip a guy's throat out. But like, and he's like doing Tai Chi and stuff. It's Roadhouse. Just go watch it. I would recommend it to anyone but my parents at this point in my life. Um, But yeah. (laughs) Anyways, Tom, do you have a recommendation? Something you've been enjoying these days uh something something i've been watching and i've heard a lot of great things about this my brother specifically has been pushing this on me for a while now um and i've always thought it's a good show i just never gave it the time and i am not very far in it i think there's a handful of seasons but it's for all mankind from apple tv plus um it's kind of the idea it's got a rewriting of history what if the russians landed on the moon before uh the americans um, so it kind of plays on that, but it still follows a lot of the same kind of characters back then with Neil Armstrong and like the leaders of NASA and everything. Uh, but very cool show. Um, I, I, I like that kind of show, similar to like that show Man in the High, or yeah, Man in the High Castle, I think, yeah. another Amazon show, yep. which kind of like twisted history. So it, it's fun. And I love the kind of old nostalgia of that, that time period in late uh, or early 70s. So. Uh, again, haven't seen too many of them, but from what I've seen, I've very much enjoyed and can't wait to keep going. Okay. Okay. Yeah, no, that's good to know. I mean, I'm not going to watch it because America, and I refuse to watch <laughs> where the Ruskies win, um, but I can understand the recommendation. I had his name wrong. His name's Sam Elliott. 
the uh, the Marvel man Sam himself. O'Neil Sam O'Neill is Elliot. the Jurassic Park guy. Sure, that's right. Yeah, he's not in Roadhouse. <laughs> um, all right. Well, thanks for joining us. Uh, I have been Julian. I have been Tom. Till next time, everybody.